0: All right. Welcome back to the Clown Hospital podcast, the uh the mental health podcast that isn't afraid to admit that capitalism is the problem. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm just like I'm going to come up with like a different tagline every time cuz I like I don't really know how to intro or end these quite yet. I think mm-hmm. I know how I'm going to end them. You'll see at the end, but Sweet. But I do like <laughs> I do like the one I just pulled out. That I I thought of that while uh, making lunch today.
1: That was beautiful. I agree completely.
0: I was going to say the only mental health podcast that admits that capitalism is the problem, but that's probably not true.
1: You should not say no the that's only. <laughs> that's not.
0: There's no way that's true. <laughs> All right, so. I'm say I'm your host Sadie, as uh, you may already know, and you've already heard her voice. I for- I'm I'm a little uh, in tune with the topic of today's episode, so <laughs> you may forgive me for a second. Um, <laughs> I forgot to uh, introduce our guest, Alyssa.
1: Hello, I'm waving, but you can't. I mean, you can see me, Sadie, but like the listeners can't see me. That's fine. Hi, I'm Alyssa. <laughs>
0: Hi, Alyssa's here today to talk to us about marijuana usage in terms of um, mental health recovery, like managing symptoms and stuff like that. Before we get into that, I would like to know, like, what's a little bit of your, like, background, like your mental health background, like your, like, mental health recovery background? Like, what are the things that people will need to know for everything you're going to say after this to, like, make sense? Like, what what's the cool. context?
1: So let's see, the context is that, I'll start with this. So ever since I was a kid, probably like elementary school, you know, I would, I would have these thoughts of like, man, what if like this other lady was my mom? Or like, you know, like, what if I killed my mom or something? Mm -hmm. You know, like those kind of thoughts that like go through your head and supposedly just through and you're like oh that's a weird thought like okay whatever but they would stick like they stuck with me super hard so I would like go to my mom crying and be like I thought about this other lady is my mom instead of you <laughs> and my mom would be like what's wrong with you like okay and
0: welcome then- <laughs> to the clown hospital podcast the 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 first and only mental health podcast to say that it's okay to replace your mom you know what that's probably not true mm-hmm. either That's definitely. (laughs) Everyone
1: thinks about replacing their mom sometimes. Like I didn't realize that until I was an adult. Yeah. (laughs) But I would confess all of these things to my mom and like wait for her to tell me like, okay, this is fine. Like you're cool. And then when I went into being a teenager, I would, you know, it was kind of, it was an obsession compulsion thing because eventually I was diagnosed with OCD. But it always stemmed from like, intrusive thoughts and when I became a teenager those thoughts started to focus on like relationships I was in and my sexuality which as a bisexual person is hard like it's hard enough when you're not straight like coming to terms with with being not straight in a society that very much wants you to be straight (laughs)
0: yes well that that's another episode somewhere in there
1: Mm -hmm. but when it ties into your mental illness it's even harder because I was like getting crushes on boys, but then like deathly afraid to become close friends with girls. Cause I was like, well, what if I get a crush on her or something? Mm-hmm. And yes. it became kind of a compulsion on its own. Like I would be afraid of this. And then I would look at girls I'm friends with and be like, do I have any attraction to them? Do I feel this way towards them? So I would be analyzing my feelings towards like literally everyone I interact with. And it got so fucking tiring. And it started to affect my relationships a lot. So I ended up starting to see a therapist in college. And you know, before I really realized that I had I have OCD and that it's, you know, gonna continue to be a problem for the rest of my life in one way or another. I decided going into psychology in college was a great idea.
0: (laughs) That's another episode too.
1: i was like oh i really relate went
0: to social work yeah like
1: mm-hmm. like it was so relatable and i feel like i opened up so much understanding about myself through my studies um but it took like ocd is not is not normalized i feel like um, no
0: like a mischaracterization of it is but not yes the actual ocd is not
1: For sure. Absolutely. Like it's considered, you know, you think about people washing their hands constantly and like needing to be clean. It's not like it's more of if I don't for me, the experience is if I have this thought, then this thought is true and this thought is coming from me and I'm a terrible person for having this thought. And that's kind of at the core of it, is like, okay, I'm a terrible person for like thinking these things and I need to find strategies to undo these thoughts or prove these thoughts wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like the washing of hands, like it could be about cleanliness, but it like it's also more likely to be like, as far as I understand it, I do not have OCD, so feel free to correct me, is like
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's like. The tick and like it, like, or like the ritual to like that's like the compulsion to man, to like, that you're doing to like manage the obsession. And like, yes. if like yeah. the ritual, like, gets in the, like you to do it, like, the overwashing of hands is like such like the stereotype, and like, so like it's like mischaracterized as like you just need everything neat and tidy and stuff, and like. It can and as far as I understand, it can present that way, but it's like so much more about these like intrusive thoughts and like
1: mm-hmm.
0: coming up. It's these about making of a way to like undo them.
1: Yes, yeah. It's about making things right. Like someone else in my life has OCD. I won't say exactly who, since we're on pod, I could tell you later. Yeah. But the way like it started to manifest for her was she would drive and be worried that she like ran over someone or like hit a bump and be like oh my god I hit a person and that thought will not leave her head until she goes and checks to see like make sure that didn't happen for me my OCD focused a lot on of course things that were important to me like my sexuality and my romantic relationships and it took me a very long time to like find stuff on this topic like relationship OCD is technically it is technically like a diagnosis and it's a term that um, that comes up frequently like if you really look for it it's not one of the most common known forms of OCD because a lot of the compulsions are like mental it's like and this was like a lot worse with with like past boyfriends I feel like in order for particularly relationship OCD to not feel as threatening as it is. Like having a secure relationship is so helpful. (laughs) Um, Like having someone you can talk to about it because it took me a while to realize these, these thoughts are, are not from me, but like kind of ego dystonic. So they're, they're not, they're, they directly go against what I want (laughs) And that's why they're so distressing. And that's why I would go through all of these rituals. And I should also yeah, preface this too. I should have started this, but so I, I got my bachelor's in psychology and I got my master's in experimental psychology. So like I have a huge psych background and, and my ideas about psychology and like treatment and diagnosis have, have changed from college. Definitely. Like So I wanted to, I wanted to preface that (laughs) and tie that into my, my journey, but, but yeah, I would, I would do things like with, with a boyfriend I had in the past, if I had any sort of like doubt in the relationship or felt, I don't know, like had one of those thoughts of like, one, one thing that always got me was you don't really love this person. Like this voice in my ear saying like, you don't really love them. And I would I would be in panics for like months at a time being like, how can I prove to myself that I love this person? And I would look for signs like everywhere and like investigate how I feel around this boyfriend. And every time we'd have sex, it would be a challenge of, of me being like, okay, I have to prove that I'm sexually attracted to this man, <laughs> And
0: you like, gotta check, (laughs) you gotta check that things are flowing down there. Like,
1: uh huh. And I mean, admittedly, looking back on it, I was definitely not very attracted to him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that happens. That happens.
1: And I can say that with confidence and no anxiety now because I've done a lot of reflecting. Um, but with OCD, like, the hardest and scariest thing to do is to potentially accept that your thoughts might be true. Like to leave room for that to say like, okay, this might be true, but it might not be true. Like going through the struggle of proving it is, is impossible. Like, how are you, you know, everyone in any type of relationship, like romantic, I, I guess speaking more romantic, like has doubts about the person they're with. Like, that's pretty normal (laughs) to be like, okay, like, you know, I found, I found this website called uh, Conscious Transitions that was extremely helpful with my own, like, conceptualization of my mental health. And it's this woman, uh, Cheryl Paul, and she is a Jungian, like, therapist, has her master's in something. But I would read her articles all the time because they would bring me so much comfort and they really kind of shame about
0: her kids jake (laughs) and logan
1: (laughs) i know they didn't turn out as good as her (laughs) (laughs) they didn't pick up any of her intuition they just became youtubers smh Um, but she, like, really Probably normalized. No
0: relation. I don't actually know. <laughs> so
1: definitely no relation. Okay. The woman yeah. does talk about her kids a lot, which is really sweet. They're younger than, than the Pauls, but. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that reference.
0: Um. <laughs> I just imagine, like, her during a speech, and she's like, my son did, like, a video in a Japanese suicide forest. It was really disrespectful, like. <laughs>
1: Having to like do a notes app apology on her blog for her son's (laughs) (laughs) behavior.
0: All right, well that's a that's a tangent, but a very, I mean, when you call your podcast clown hospital, this is where we go. We go Mm
1: -hmm, exactly. All you can do really is is laugh when it comes to mental illness. At a certain point, like, so so her articles were really like normalizing some of these intrusions, like, I'd I'd have these worries of like, okay, like, what if, you know, Faye and I become boring or something? Like, what if our relationship, Faye is my beautiful, wonderful girlfriend that I'm in love with? But like, I'd have these, these intrusive thoughts of like, shout out Faye. What if, you know, things are boring with us? Like, what if there's something wrong that I don't even know yet? And, you know, in the past, I would sort of jump to, talking to her about it I would immediately be like something feels wrong and in the past that just created problems it was just like okay like the other person would be like okay like what's wrong and i'd be like well i don't know like what if this happens <laughs> and they'd be like like i had an ex boyfriend who would say like you're just creating problems and he wasn't wrong there was definitely a better way to say that <laughs> yeah, yeah um but But yeah, like,
0: like like your insecurity in like the relationship probably like affects like the other person's feelings of security in that relationship. Yes,
1: Yeah, exactly. And it took me years to kind of be like, okay, I need to sit with this myself. I need to actually figure out if this is an us problem or if this is a me problem. And I would always look at like, okay, what kind of triggered me to have this feeling? how does this connect to my past or past experiences? And I look at that and I say, okay, why am I, why does this idea upset me? Um, And is there any actual evidence of this being true?
0: Yeah. Like they say in DBT, like, does it fit the facts? Or maybe that's a CBT thing that we say a lot in my DBT group. I don't know, but like, does the anxiety (laughs) fit the facts?
1: Mm -hmm. And almost never like it fits the like it doesn't fit the facts you know looking back on my my most formative relationship with with an ex-boyfriend I was with him for like six years something like that like yeah I was he was like my high school sweetheart we were together for quite a bit but we didn't like we had chemistry but we didn't have that kind of growth factor in a relationship he I took out my mental illness that I didn't really realize I was going through on him and put a lot of that on his shoulders. And he didn't really know how to respond to that. Or he didn't really respond well when I was like, hey, let's change things up a little bit. We just did not have a super secure relationship where I felt like we could grow together. And that definitely like Up my mental health a little bit. Definitely fed the the intrusive thoughts. And I mean, overall, like with OCD, you just kind of have to accept that it's there. (laughs) It's sort of like you know when you're like, okay, I'm gonna talk about sex real quick. But you know when you're like about to come and you have a thought (laughs) of like, you're
0: gonna go like that far. (laughs)
1: like you're about to come and you you have this thought of like a family member or something like out of nowhere and you're like yes. ah what's what's wrong with me it's like that but like all the time
0: <laughs> awful that's the worst yeah. analogy ever
1: <laughs> but but that's like
0: very illustrative all I can...
1: mm-hmm. yeah. like I remember in grad school I would go to meet with my advisor and I was so always so nervous to meet with her because I was worried about how she'd perceive me and like how I'd be perceived and I would get these intrusive like sexual thoughts about her and I'd be like I have no feelings about her in this way like I need this out of my brain because this is making this interaction so much worse <laughs> and it's so like guilt inducing that's the hardest part is having to be like this says nothing about me the minute that you take a thought like that and you go what does this say about me is the minute you fucking lose <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what. Sorry. No, you're good.
0: I zoned out for like two seconds. <laughs> I'm gonna edit out, but I zoned out. <laughs> um, hell yeah. The power well, of editing. I feel like you have you just gave us like a really descriptive metaphor for intrusive thoughts and how like they can be alarming. <laughs> so let's talk about. Managing those intrusive thoughts, but specifically in the context of marijuana.
1: Of that that good good Kush. Yes. That I, uh, shit. I forget all of the names in college that I came up with for <laughs> weed. Mary J. Blunt. That was one <laughs> of them. <laughs> um, I mean, I think
0: I think I always use Keith for Keith, and I think that's actually from you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Keith. I, I like calling Keith, Keith. We also Me have too. a Keith in our, our D&D game that we have going on right now. He's a giant warforged named Keith.
0: Hell yeah. So yeah, yes. using weed. Yeah. How do how did, like, I would also like to, to speak on this personally, but like, how yeah. do you use weed to make, like, as a, a tool to manage your mental health systems, whether symptoms, whether it's obsessions and compulsions or other symptoms or what have you? Mhm.
1: So I guess I'll preface it by saying like everything I say here is what I've learned works for me. Yes. Everyone yeah. I need to like everyone, everyone has probably yeah. in like
0: episode descriptions, Every- I will put something in there, like, you know, like this is like food for thought, not personal medical advice.
1: Yes, yeah. I'm by no means giving advice. What worked best for me was kind of deconstructing my own mental illness, understanding my OCD understanding the obsessions and understanding the compulsions I do to try to ease the obsessions and just getting to a point where I can say you know what so what maybe it's true maybe these things that I'm worried about are true I it'll present itself if it is true and if it's not Mm -hmm. true then like I would just be wasting my time diving into it and if I go through that self-analysis where I'm like Okay, maybe this does feel like a real problem. Like I would talk about it with my therapist and bring it to to Faye if I do feel like it's an issue. But a lot of the time, when I make that kind of mental assessment and and keep things in my own brain until I understand it, at least I I feel better. I feel like okay, this is this is fine. And I did end up going on Prozac for depression because I was working a terrible job. Uh, in 2019, yeah. <laughs> working an absolutely shitty job that did not respect me. I had molds in my studio. No, it wasn't a studio apartment at the time. It was a one-bedroom basement apartment. Mold.
0: Yeah, I issue. remember all these tweets.
1: <laughs> yep. The mold zone. That was like dramatic. That was so terrible. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up moving in with my grandpa who lives in the city, and it worked out because I helped him out with things, but It all happened during the winter. I ended up super depressed, and I went on Prozac, and that helped so much with depression. I was in definitely a crisis place, and starting that helped a lot. And honestly, it wasn't until the pandemic that I actually started smoking weed.
0: Holy shit! Um, I had no idea. Like I smoked weed
1: before that,
0: but like habitually. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Wow, that's great because I just. When I thought about having you on, I like no questions, like was like, oh, I know exactly. Like I did not have to think about it at all. Like I knew it was going to be this topic. And to realize that, like you just became a habitual smoker like two years ago, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. like
1: yeah. Because I would smoke with friends. I was I was the girl who would just like bum someone's weed because they had it. Like I never yeah. would buy my yeah, own.
0: That, that was me um, for until grad school, and then grad school was mm-hmm. happening, and it's like, well, I need to buy my own weed now because I can't get through this shit.
1: hmm. Yeah, I I remember like I I you know had my own peace and whatever before the pandemic, but it was it was like a, a once in a while treat of like, oh yes, I'm gonna take a little puff now and be super stoned when I lived in my studio I would do that once in a while and just do a bunch of like unhinged tweets and then go to bed but when the pandemic started and I was working from home I was still working my shitty job at the time but remote and I had to isolate so I couldn't see anyone and in the evening I would just like go up to my bedroom which was my dead grandmother's bedroom (laughs) (laughs) that kind of ties in Shout out to my dead grandma whose bedroom I, I stayed in and smoked a lot of weed in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You smoked up grandma's ghost. She's very appreciative.
1: Mm -hmm. I think I still have my ashtray there too.
0: (laughs) Like when I die, I just want people to just smoke a bunch of weed in my bedroom. That's how you like ensure that someone has like a restful afterlife or a really anxious afterlife, depending on how you react to weed. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's, and it depends on what strain you're smoking. Like, <laughs> can ghosts get stoned?
0: I'm on, I'm working under the assumption that yes.
1: Mm-hmm. And hmm I feel like I, now stone. I have an
0: episode title for this episode: Is can ghosts get stoned?
1: <laughs> I if mean... they can, my grandma was high as balls the entire time I lived there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like. This is maybe like a, this is maybe a wild segue, but like, can ghosts get stoned? Like my brain is like, well, the ghosts in my body have to get stoned all the time because otherwise, like, because like, that's what like, for me, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's definitely a tool for me managing PTSD symptoms. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like when my body goes in that high alert mode and like my muscles are just like really tense and I'm like, really like hypervigilant and jumpy. And yeah, like weed is like such a surefire way to like ease those feelings, and I think like that word ease is like really important. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think like important to like another thing we have on here is like using uh weed and like and you kind of referenced this already too with like the Prozac, like that you're like you're not just you're not like just on weed, Mm -hmm. like you're not just Mm -hmm. using weed, and neither am I.
1: I do, I feel very strongly that weed use should be in tandem with other things, at yeah. least for me. Like, yeah,
0: so one thing that I think a lot of therapists would tell you, and I'm not saying this to any listener specifically, but in, like in general, like <laughs> a lot of therapists would tell you like, and like also a thing in like a, like addiction recovery is like, you have to learn how to feel your feelings.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: when I used, like, sometimes I get a little frustrated with, with weed, because, like, I feel, like, later, and I feel, like, calmer, but, like, I'm still aware of the the, muscles, the tensions of my muscles, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like I'm still, like, aware of the pain, and, like, other senses mm-hmm. I would use, but, like, it's just, like, I, like, it would just be, it would just go away. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm
0: so like when I'm in this like really heightened state and like I take an edible and like I feel calmer like I'm like zooming around and like racing games or whatever and like just having like a nice time and like but like I'm like fuck I like still kind of feel like shit just like less I just feel like Mm -hmm. shit but like warm and cozy and Mm -hmm. like and while that is like frustrating to like the like part of my brain that like can't tolerate distress it's like also very important to like recovery and processing those things like
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I think it is like,
1: sort of like oh sorry
0: yeah like it's a tool to like i don't know like maybe another metaphor is like i am making like a lot of progress in my dbt group and my dbt skills and like, mm-hmm. I am doing a lot better, like, I still struggle with this, but I, like, doing a lot better with, like, my distress, distress tolerance and emotion regulation, like, stress mm-hmm. just, like, shuts me down, and I'm, like, and it still kind of shuts me down, but I can get through it without, like, relapsing, which is, like, that is, mm-hmm. like, new and, like, really important, and
1: that's fucking awesome,
0: yeah, and then, like, But then yesterday I had something like really, really, really deeply triggering happen. And I had the worst panic attack I've had since like, right before I went to the hospital, since like two weeks before I went to the hospital. And when I was talking like, oh, like I've made so much progress and I was like, it's like kind of humbling to have made so much progress and be like, oh shit, I still like have PTSD like out the ass. And she Mm -hmm. was saying how like, yeah, like, dbt isn't super well proven to like treat ptsd and like it's still helpful for me because i also have like depression
1: mm-hmm.
0: but like it can help you like because like trauma work can be like really stressful and like and if it's done poorly even like re-traumatizing but dbt skills can give you mm-hmm. the skills to like be prepared for that and that was like a really long-winded say way to say like that's kind of how i also feel about weed
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that the emotions are still there. It's like the intensity, like the best way to like get through a problem is to actually work through it. Like if you just drink a drug or self-harm or like buy fucking video games in the steam sale, calling myself out uh, for that one, (laughs) the problem is still there. You haven't worked through any Mm of your feelings and you likely even created new ones. And then, but like if you're using weed and I think this is important to say like in a like a mindful manner like Mm -hmm. it is potentially giving you like the space to like all right this thing is really upsetting I need to work through my feelings about it and I just like I am so raw right now so like let me take an edible play a video game and like then I'll call a friend about it so when I'm in a calmer state That Mm -hmm. is both through my coping and through some additional support, but like from the like the weed and also my other meds because like Mm -hmm. I definitely use it as a medication and yeah, it just makes it more manageable. I don't and I think there are definitely I'm not saying that like like you can use like you can like just I don't know you can also use weed to run away from your problems. I'm not saying that.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm just saying escapism
1: is such a double-edged sword.
0: Yes. Yeah, so it's like you like if you can use it mindfully. I think there's a lot of room for like potential growth there, but like it is yeah. also totally possible to over rely on it. I believe as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Like what you were saying about using your DVT strategies in tandem with smoking. That's that's kind of how I feel about it personally. I use it more. And, you know, I definitely use it for escapism. I'm not going to pretend that I don't. Yeah,
0: um, I like, I do too sometimes. everything's yeah, shit. I'm, not, I'm not saying, like, I'm, I like, yeah, I'm perfect. And every time I get high, I, like, journal.
1: Mm-hmm. No, but like... you have to think about, like, your, what works in your life. For me, yes. I plan my smoking around when I have work and when I have to drive or be present somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, if yeah, I have to too. work or if I have to drive or be present I I wait until I'm home I don't have to leave the house I don't have any other responsibilities or whatever like I would smoke then like it's my reward for kind of getting through the day I'm definitely not perfect yeah. about it I don't I'm very strong about not smoking and driving yes. but I, I have my own like set of rules and and boundaries around my own smoking that that took me a lot of time to discover both in terms of what I'm smoking since I got a medical card, being able to like pick my strains and pick what I want to smoke and how I want to smoke it. That's helped a lot because if I still have like stuff to do that I want to get done, like if I wanna if I wanna make candles or something, or I like want to read or I'd smoke a sativa so that I'm not in the couch. But if in the evening, I'm super stressed, <laughs> I've zoned the foot, fu- like, I've doom scrolled until I want to die, like, then I'd smoke an indica and calm myself down with like a show or hours of Animal Crossing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that role And like, that also like really highlights, fuck, I totally lost my thought.
1: <laughs> well, it's like, it's, it's all like, I think it's all individual. Like, it's really based on, like, what works for you.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it really highlights, like, the use of having, like, substances of, I think, all kinds available to use, like, safely. And, like, you get all the information. It's, like, then you can make the right decisions.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wrote something else down here. Oh, yeah. Because with my OCD, like, recently, in the past few years, my issues have been more, like, depression and, like probably executive functioning related issues rather than anxiety and OCD. I feel like Prozac helped me a shit ton with that and like just using my own strategies for getting through that has helped, but I'm glad that I didn't start like becoming a habitual like weed smoker until I understood my mental illness a lot better because I went through so much of my life and I'm sure you can relate like literally being afraid of my own brain, something that I can't escape. (laughs) And I feel like if I found weed before I understood it, I think I would have tried to escape my own brain more than understand it. So I think that's
0: how I've used other substances.
1: Yeah, yeah. I (laughs) becoming not afraid of my brain before I like use a substance that like lets my brain off off its leash has really helped me a lot. And weed kind of helps the intrusive thoughts like flow through, I always think of my mind like a river. And when I'm stuck in an obsession or something, it's, I don't know, like a big fish caught in a net, like I can't let it go. And then when I smoke, like I still have intrusive thoughts, like I still catch myself like thinking fucked up shit. But then it just flows like I go into another thought and I forget that I have the fucked up thought and I don't yeah. have to investigate it
0: and that's that's extremely relatable is yeah like I also intrusive thoughts and like flashbacks and stuff and like it like that stuff definitely passes more freely uh mm-hmm. in that altered state than if I was like sober and like ruminating mm-hmm. Like, it's a careful balance. If you're purely, like, escaping all the time, that is, I don't believe, is healthy. I mean, it depends Mm -hmm. on... It wouldn't be healthy for me. That's the best way to say Mm -hmm. it. Same. But also, distraction is a coping skill. If, like, getting stoned, if, like, I am gonna, like, self-harm, but instead get stoned... And then, like by the time like my edible work wears off in three hours, like I even like don't even remember that I was like gonna hurt myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, technically, like that maybe is escapism, but it like prevents a relapse and it's in a lot safer way than like a relapse.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. I feel like escapism gets a lot of bad rap, and there's degrees of it. Like if you're yeah, and this is like very much the like t- the yeah. thesis
0: of the podcast. Mm-hmm is that things are like complicated and nuanced and that like you know it can be bad but like you kind of like all things in moderation is like i like i kind of think for me personally a like a good rule to live by
1: yes and like that varies for everyone like for me smoking in the evening and, you know, I smoke on weekends, like, <laughs> and yeah. all, like, all of my friends smoke a lot of weed, too. <laughs> so it's pretty normalized. I can, I can
0: verify that.
1: But like, you know, I've noticed that friends have their own rules about smoking. Like, I have some friends who are like, okay, we don't like to, we don't smoke before noon in our house. That's just our rule. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the moderation. And I think that's what everyone kind of has to find for themselves if they're interested in smoking, because you don't want it to negatively affect your life to a point where you can't work or you can't do your responsibilities. But like, I feel like I'm in a stable enough place with, with my own smoking that I feel comfortable and I feel like it's helping me more than hurting me. And I think doing it in the evenings helps because by by the time the day is done I'm like this country and this planet are doomed and terrible and yeah. I just need to pretend that we're not for a few hours before I go to bed.
0: Yeah, like there yeah, there is benefit. I mean a lot of people like get home from work and like drink a beer like with dinner and watch TV like
1: mm-hmm. um and I don't drink anymore either. No, nah, I mean like yeah. I I didn't do it for any personal reason. We just like very rarely have alcohol in the house. And if I have the opportunity to drink, I would drink half a beer and just be done with it. Like, it's just not my thing.
0: No, It like my body just doesn't process it well. <laughs> As mm-hmm. I don't know if, you, if anyone's ever parted with me while I was <laughs> drinking, you know, because you've seen me throw up. Uh, I went, I remember partying messing. with you
1: during your four loco phase. <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I I tweeted I tweeted this like a I can't believe episode three is the first episode that Four Loco has come up because it has been it was such a key part of like my identity for so long. And mm-hmm. like I tweeted this like maybe like a month ago, like like oh I just realized that like if four loco is like your alcoholic beverage of choice. It probably means you have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Like because <laughs> it's just like I want to get drunk. I want to get fucked up fast for cheap. Like that, mm-hmm. like it's like, okay, yeah, like you are doing like this escape of something. Or it's like like it's not like on a like every once in a while on a weekend, I would like drink a four logo, like for like my like on my birthday or whatever. It's just there was a party that's like that I'm drinking like two locos and like Mm -hmm. because I can get just like obliterated for six dollars and like Mm -hmm. that shit wasn't and that's the culture like yes
1: that's the culture around drinking and I feel like the culture around smoking in our country is is similar in excess like I feel like in media we see a lot of like excess smoking but it also comes with, like, a guilt, I feel like, that drinking doesn't. Like, a, something that you kind of have to hide. Yeah. Oh, I can't talk about smoking weed or else I'm going to get fucking fired. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like it's not really, like, positively represented a lot.
0: No. No. And it's very much painted, like, in that, like, escapism. You know, quote-unquote, like, burnout, Just, like, not working mm-hmm. and, like, in their mom's basement playing Halo and smoking a lot of weed. Mm-hmm and like not engaging with the rest of the world and
1: Stoners have a bad rep.
0: Yeah. I mean, where I think most of those are Some just stoners
1: like, have master's degrees.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's two right now. <laughs> and, like sometimes you just need a break.
1: Mhm. And... and like I feel like the way that we're conditioned to continue running and running and running under capitalism, yeah. I, I do feel like I'm not going <laughs> to it's it's gonna sound really cheesy if I'm like smoking weed is revolutionary and like yeah. I mean it kind of is like if you think about it from okay I'm not gonna engage in 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 hustle and grind culture right now or whatever yeah um, but it's also like I feel like our brains aren't aren't wired to stop sometimes and having weed like yeah, smoking if you have, like, and, an
0: anxiety disorder like
1: uh huh hmm yeah yeah and like I feel like my my Prozac really fucks up my sleep I noticed that when I when I got on it it was a small price to pay for like not wanting to kill myself anymore <laughs> but smoking particularly like certain indica strains I feel I feel like a spoiled little bitch now that I have my <laughs> you know with my medical card going yeah stopping online but like wedding cake is one of my favorite strains because (laughs) it knocks me the fuck out. Like it just kind of like smooths out my brain to a point where like I don't really have thoughts. And that is in this stage in my life. I feel like I almost embrace that. And I feel like the online culture is very much embracing having no thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) Because probably everyone has an anxiety disorder. I mean, when
0: like your thoughts are ruining your life. Like, sometimes it's like, all right, I just need to put a pause button on this and like come back to this Mm -hmm. later in a different mindset. You have
1: to accept that, like, and that's the hardest. I feel like that's one of the hardest things about mental illness is just being like, okay, so this is here the rest of my life. Yeah. In one way or another. Like, even if you're not experiencing a lot of symptoms or whatever, like, you have to accept, okay, this is going to affect my life. I need to adjust how I respond to it. Yeah. And, and weed helps. I remember like before I got my medical card at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I had a dealer who would, who would drop weed off to my grandpa's house for me.
0: That rules.
1: <laughs> um, I had to like go outside and put a little tote bag on the door and be like, okay, the bags at the door, you can put the weed in the bag."
0: <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. I, I have stories <laughs> like that too but i'm not gonna share them (laughs) on the podcast right now um (laughs) that are a little shadier yeah well that yeah that was a lot of really good perspective and we kind of hit like a lot of our talking points just naturally Mm -hmm.
1: um we're naturally good
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do want to really hit on this point and i know you're coming from less of like a substance abuse background but i do want to hit this point and like it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily it's not this point isn't fully like substance use related but definitely like associated is like like marijuana as like harm reduction is very much like kind of as we're talking about is like you know I could act on my compulsions or I could like self-harm or I could use another substance but I'm going to use a substance that like uses what I'm feeling without like the destructive consequences assuming that you can use me in a, in a way that won't end in destructive consequences and like not everyone mm-hmm. can and like yeah. there, if you can't there's nothing wrong with that we're all wired differently we've all like gone through experiences that have fucked up or wiring differently like it's not for everyone this is like this is, like, the episode where this, like, I feel like this, like, is the most, like, should be the most hammered down, is, like, it's not for everyone, because, like, the phrase or, like, term, like, California sober has, like, been getting, like, a lot of popularity, and, Mm -hmm. like, I personally used it before Demi Lovato did. (laughs) Um, Hell yeah. They don't
1: own that term.
0: Yeah, and now they, now they have since renounced their California sobriety, but they drank alcohol and smoked weed, and I'm, like, no I don't think alcohol counts as
1: yeah I feel like I've heard California sober be described as like smoking weed and drinking socially but I think of it as just smoking weed and not drinking
0: for me it's just smoking weed and like like it it has become like contentious like in recovery communities and like I don't know people might see that there's like there's like recovery new recovery podcast and episode three is titled can ghosts get stoned
1: <laughs> and they're <laughs> like
0: what like i thought this was about recovery and like it is and one mm-hmm. i think of the like the effect impacts of like the predominance of 12 step is like this idea that sobriety means like complete sobriety it means like that you can do like not use heroin without like without subs without methadone like none of that like, like raw just, like, dogging yeah yeah it's all about <laughs> raw yeah, dogging life it's all about the like yeah raw dogging reality and any of that other stuff like is often perceived as like not counting and one like argument i've seen is that it just like will lead the user back into like their drug or choice or whatever. My thing I think is, is like, that's not necessarily always true. I think like, and I think like the, like the term like harm reduction is especially important here. Cause it's like, is like the harm being reduced. If mm-hmm. like you assume, if like one of the reasons that like I think like in Pennsylvania, like rehabs, like clients aren't even supposed to have like cigarettes on them. Wow. They like can't smoke on site one of the things like i've heard about that is that smoking cigarettes and like you know kind of like the naaa stereotype is drinking a lot of coffee and smoking a lot of cigarettes that like research has shown that like if you're smoking like in your brain is like connected to your use like if you used your drug of choice and then like smoked like before during and after then like the likelihood that like smoking a cigarette is going to impact like your cravings mm-hmm. is higher. And I think that's like probably, like I'm not like a weed scientist, but like probably true, like if you use like crack or like amphetamines and like you use weed to like mellow out a little bit, you might have a complicated relationship with weed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like while in Yeah, recovery. there's like a
1: neural pathway that's that's connecting the substances. Yeah. In a way
0: yeah it's like I don't know if you have chocolate sometimes you want peanut butter because like Reese's or whatever I don't know that's like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I ever actually have that experience
1: or the people <laughs> who smoke when they drink like who smoke a cigarette when yes. they, only when they drink
0: <laughs> yes I used to be that
1: mm-hmm. um, and
0: yeah if I smoked a cigarette I probably would want to drink And mm-hmm. if I had a drink I would and definitely want a cigarette
1: yeah it does I mean I can't speak from like a substance abuse perspective, I've definitely yeah, like, I
0: just wanted to like be on that soapbox for a little bit. Cause it's such a, like a yeah, contentious yeah. topic. Yeah. But anyway. no, I
1: agree with everything you said, but, but the point being like, considering my, my, you know, consistent daily use of weed, I've definitely had to like have conversations with my therapist about the ways in which I'm using it. Mm-hmm. and had to, you know, think to myself, like, am I comfortable with how I'm using it? Is there anything I want to change? Like, is this negatively affecting me? Like, it's kind of a constant conversation with yourself to see, yeah.
0: if,
1: you know, the way that that you're using a substance is is helpful or not. And that's, that's, that varies from person to person. Like some people I know some people who don't drink and just smoke and, and it's okay for some people that doesn't work. It's, and that's, that's the hard thing about it.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's different for everyone, but like, I don't know, we figure it out and
1: yeah. And it's also hard to, I feel like it's always going to connect back to capitalism, but it just, I don't know. It just, I, for some reason I was thinking about the, argument you'd hear for people saying like oh you shouldn't give a homeless person money because they're gonna spend it on drugs or alcohol or whatever and it's like okay so fucking what (laughs) like they get to have like a nice night because they're fucked under capitalism
0: (laughs) yeah and like man if if my money like and it's like First of all, it's not my money anymore. Like once, like once it's out of my hands, like that person Mm -hmm. can do whatever they want with it. And, but if like the money they got, like got for me, like makes them high and freezing on the streets rather than in withdrawal and freezing on the streets, that's Mm -hmm. money well spent. Mm -hmm. It is a short-term solution. Better than what
1: Amazon does with their money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, if someone is not in the space where like in the mental space where they feel like recovery is a priority for them that is what it is and like they should be able to do that like safely and legally which like is not really an option right now but like
1: mm-hmm.
0: if if what is going to get them through the the night is not being in withdrawal and like that's just where it is right now then like so be it
1: Mhm, mhm. it's and it's yeah, I mean, harm reduction is the best best way to, to put it. Like, I think weed has a lot of, and shifting away from the new topic that I I just introduced. I was just thinking <laughs> of that, but it. I I feel like there's such a like either you use substances or you don't, and like that's yeah. I feel like the line that's like. Presented a lot of the times in terms of like, when you seek mental health treatment, and even my own psychiatrist, when I brought up getting a medical card to him, he was like, well, you're interested in introducing a new substance. And I put substance in in air quotes, rather than upping my Prozac dose. (laughs) And I was like, well, you know, I'd rather (laughs) smoke weed than up my Prozac dose right now, because I don't my my Prozac is great and I don't intend to change it, but there are side effects of yeah. not being able to sleep super great. I feel like I can't really cry that well. <laughs> my emotions definitely don't feel as like deep as they did before I was on Prozac. But you know, it's it's you have to find something that that's of side effects that you can handle. And like if you can't handle them personally, then go on a new treatment. And I guess the same thing with with weed if you find something that works for you, that you feel works for you, then hell yeah, like stick with it. If and it doesn't, and work. I'm a, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think like ha- having a continual conversation with yourself about your mental health is like the most important thing.
0: Yeah. And like, yeah, like the question of like, can I do this in a way that feels healthy for me? And, Mm -hmm. you know, for, like, other, like, substances and behaviors in my life, it's, like, like, with, I guess, like, my drug of choice, like, my ex would be, like, oh, I, like, if you want to use this, like, it's, like, fine with me, but, like, I, like, it does feel like it would be safer, like, if you used it, like, in moderation, rather than, like, doing it, like, every single day. And just, like, well, Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound fun to me. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like okay yeah. well if using in a way that won't wreck my body isn't appealing then I it's just not an option like because I don't feel mm-hmm. like I can safely use it in moderation so but marijuana I can like I don't I'm I'm not an everyday user
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think keeping the tolerance down really <laughs> helps me get the most out of it um, Very and true. then also like feeling my feelings and like you know the difference of using it as like a tool rather than like a crutch or whatever
1: Um, yes yeah it's just like something in your arsenal um it can't be the only thing in your arsenal but yeah I'm
0: really I really liked what you were saying before about like rules like Mm -hmm. and I think that's like the benefit of having like a life where there are certain you have certain activities like they're like, oh, well, when I want to do that, I can't smoke, and, like, I feel like that helps to promote, like, a healthy sense of use, yeah, like, when I go to, re- like, recovery meetings, I don't smoke before or during them, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's, the, that, like, would be, like, wildly inappropriate,
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: oh, my God, I keep losing my train of thought, um,
1: <laughs> but, like, but, like, yeah, but, like, yeah, like, yeah, so the... it's, like,
0: all right, and then if I'm doing edibles, it's, like, all right, so it's, like, all right, like, I can't, Like have an edible until after like the meeting is done Mm -hmm. like and the meetings in the afternoon like like that gives me like the whole morning where it's like oh like I really would like to read this book like I I'm not going to choose to read a book like stone that doesn't sound Mm -hmm. (laughs) fun so like yeah just like doing other stuff like help. like this is a nice thing like to like put on put on yellow jackets and like Fucking someone please come on the show and talk to me about yellow jackets. Um Well,
1: wow, my dad's been telling me to watch that show. You god, should talk you to
0: my wa- wa- dad. Oh my god, I should <laughs> text your dad. Also, you should watch it. Um I, like, it
1: does look really good.
0: It's so good. To put like to like have an edible and then like put that on, like be cozy. hmm It's nice. And then I forget why I said that, but rules. So yeah. But, like, that's not, like, an everyday thing. And I'm caught up, so I can't even, like, watch it right now.
1: <laughs> it is, like, a nice treat. When I smoke at the end of the day, I'm like, this is this is me, like, taking work off of my shoulders. This is me, like, you know, taking my jacket off, putting the outside world outside. I've been watching a lot of Bob's Burgers lately, which clearly means I, I'm on my comfort show shit. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like... Just the feeling of being cozy is is very true. I have a heated blanket I get under. And you know, smoking a little bit and just chilling.
0: Yeah. Shout out to
1: it sucks to say shout out to being fucking cozy. Like it it does sound boring and and to say like have rules, but it's true. Like Like, structure
0: is like so important for like recovery of any type. uh
1: Uh-huh. And for mental health stuff in general too. Yeah,
0: yeah. like that. Like yeah, I'm definitely. It's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah, it's one of the things that you have to learn. It also just like makes it like more special and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Things are just more fun if you don't do them every day. Like if you, you know, you're talking about like your romantic, like being afraid that like your romantic relationships are like getting bored or whatever. And it's like, well, like weed gets boring if it's like all you do yeah um so yeah like there there is really a lot to say for structure
1: mm-hmm. in recovery yeah and it's it's a shitty like lesson to learn because you kind of have to learn by failing a little bit
0: <laughs> yeah well that's life baby
1: huh. <laughs> that's life baby
0: <laughs> all right well that feels like that feels like a good discussion on the topic
1: I think so, too. That fucking rules.
0: Hell yeah, I agree. All right. So I'm doing a little thing with everyone who comes on the show. To conclude, uh, we express what are gra- grateful for. Oh, I um, love
1: that.
0: Yeah. I stole it from my recovery meeting. Um, actually, also, That's actually, a good also, idea. Also, I do it, Lindsay, every night before bed. We've been doing that for like almost, like almost two years. Um,
1: wow. I might steal it from you.
0: Yeah, it's great. So, but then this is like, so like we, we can each share something we're grateful for. And then I also use this opportunity to like thank my guests for coming on the show. Like you were clearly like so well prepared and like just the conversation so cool, like so easily flowed through all of like, the topic talking points we discussed before the show that really showed like preparedness and like everyone who's come on before has been super prepared, but like it just like flowed so well that like in a way that like felt like really impressive and also like very Uh thoughtful. And I really appreciate that. And then so for my gratitude otherwise is I am grateful that after several months of not getting unemployment money that I was I went to trial and was finally approved for it.
1: Fuck. Yes. I am so stoked you got that. Me too. Oh my gosh. And it's been so wonderful being on the pod. I hate you thinking of me. This is such a fucking cool idea. It's, I feel like it was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Cathartic. That's the word I'm looking for. But yeah, I'm just grateful for like all of the supportive people in my life, all my supportive friends and family and just the fact that I have people who take me as I am and listen to me when I'm being annoying or something <laughs> and still love me for it.
0: Hell yeah. We love that. We love you. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. see, I love you too.
0: Hell yeah. Shout out. I think you're the first person I've said a lot. I love to (laughs) Mike. I might have, I might get yelled at for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My, my Aries is so proud of, of winning the podcast so far.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I do have a lot of love for everyone. Like I, that I've asked who is coming on, has come on
1: Mm -hmm. really
0: so much love. And then also, this is as typically happens at the end of podcasts. This is the space for any self-promo you would like to do?
1: Self-promo.
0: Any candle I tweet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I so I tweet and make candles at Fitch Druid, Fitch with a with a B and a T. I have some candles since I tore my ACL and have been sort of out of commission. Yeah, I have sorry haven't about that. Been making, oh, it's Uh, that's fine I guess work from home (laughs) Um. I
0: did also to clarify I didn't tear Alyssa's ACL I invited Alyssa (laughs) to skateboarding with me where she tore her ACL so in my brain that is yeah in real life it's not
1: no it's not at all I got my bosses like like admiration because he asked me he was like did you like tear your ACL in a vert ramp and I was like yeah I actually did and he's <laughs> like oh I didn't know you skateboarded like that
0: <laughs> yeah you were going up and down that shit and then you just mm-hmm. like felt weird like it was oh, it I like, feel wasn't so weird it just like wasn't it wasn't especially brutal it was just weird and then you're like mm-hmm. wow I can't stand <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. that was so scary I'll never forget that feeling of my leg like collapsing in on itself like a poorly made cake
0: yeah and then Um, my my ex carried you (laughs) yeah i think she still
1: she still has my pads and my board i I think i have it oh you have it okay lit i was wondering about that (laughs) yeah oh yeah
0: you did not take that stuff to massachusetts not the doc
1: but um but yeah just follow me on twitter follow me on instagram where i make candles
0: um great.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah And then you can follow the podcast on Instagram at clown hospital pod. And I think i follow also... the
1: podcast now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> great. Yeah, I haven't like since I'm still recording and not releasing anything yet. I haven't actually promoted it, but like Instagram just like keeps telling people that it exists. So it has like five or six followers already, which like is weird because I've done no promo for it other than you have nine followers. Friend. That's insane. <laughs> like I have done like no promo. I mean, like, I've told friends about it. And and like half of those people are people who are like, I've told about it, but some are just like, I don't know how you found this. Um, and why you Incredible. follow a podcast like, you haven't listened to because it doesn't even publicly exist yet. And then also we have an email that's clownhospitalpod at gmail.com. And that is a space for if you have any questions um I'd really like to do a thing a mocktail mailbag where like we let questions build up and then I have like a former guest on like depending on what the questions are about and then we like make a mocktail and we drink mocktails together and then answer questions um I love that. it also forces like I really want to get in on mocktails but it's like kind of overwhelming so like that gives me accountability <laughs> to drink mm-hmm. mocktails
1: <laughs> Because
0: like when you don't drink, sometimes you need something fun to drink, or else like it's kind of hard to not drink. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. And then also if like there's any like blind spots like that you like think we missed and like you would like to like get your voice like heard, that is also the space for that. And with that, Mm -hmm. that's the show. So thank you, Alyssa, for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Of course and time to try out the uh the new outro which is exo exo trauma girl
1: (laughs) yes i'm obsessed